Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, if you're getting this right when it's coming out, the Uncharted Online Conference is all up on us. It's all up on us. It starts Thursday, June the 11th. This podcast comes out Wednesday, June 10th. That means as soon as you listen to this in your ear holes, you you want to go online and grab your spot in the Uncharted Conference. There is uh, just a couple of spots left. Uh, the price is $3.99. That gets you four-day online conference. And when I say online conference, do not, don't you dare, think about this like every other online conference you have seen before. It is not. It is entirely different. It is a different software. It is uh, still workshop-based. It is still discussion-based. It is still built on what the attendees want to have happen. All of that stuff is true. This is an honest-to-God uncharted event, and we're only going to do uh, events the way that we do them. And so we figured out a way to do it now. This will be something that is worth seeing just so you can see something wildly different. UnchartedVet.com. Click on conferences and grab your spot. you got to do it right away. We are kicking off uh, Thursday night at about 6 p.m. I'm going to open this thing up. i got some stuff to say. I'm going to introduce some friends. And then I'm doing a keynote. Uh, I'm going to talk about, honestly, I'll just be real honest with you. I'm going to talk about the world and what I see and how I feel as a doctor and how we can kind of move forward as a, as a community. And I want to try to set the tone for this conference. But this conference is about change. It's about positivity. It's about culture. It's about making meaningful, meaningful differences. That is what we're going to do. And so anyway, if you have any interest at all, I would love for you to be there. Head over to UnchartedVet.com, as I said, and grab your spot. Let's, let's not mess around anymore. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. We are supported by PSI Vet. Guys, if you know anything about me, you know that I care about our support staff. I want them to have good jobs. I want them to make good income. And I believe that they need health care. Everybody should have some health care coverage. If you're at a practice that struggles to provide this for your team, I urge you take a look at the PSI Healthcare Initiative that came out uh, earlier this year. You can learn all about it at PSIHealthCareInitiative.com or check out our bonus podcast episode from a couple weeks ago. PSIHealthCareInitiative.com. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie to the left, to the left, everything you own in a box to the left. God. <laughs> yes. How's it going, Does Andy? No about me. It's, um, oh God, how is it going? It's, it's, uh, it's 2020. It's 2020. <laughs> It's 2020 all over me today is what it is. That's yeah. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um it's it's not sunshine and rainbows uh for me or anyone else right now and uh and definitely there's people who have it a lot worse than I do. So um yeah, it's 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 that. Yep. I I feel you on that. I, know, I do. I know. Let's um, um yeah. We've got uh, we've got good stuff today. We've got something from the mailbag that I want to tackle, and um, it'll be it'll be good to just to get into just some straight up management stuff. I think yeah, um, yeah. it's stuff that we need to be doing and dealing with. Um, but yeah, it's uh you know the world is a crazy place right now, and if you're out there and you're listening to this, um, and you're feeling the same way, you're not alone. Uh, you're not alone. So anyway, yeah. Um, this one is, um, a good one. And I think, um, oh, man, th this one shook a chord with me. So we have a technician 
who um, sent us a very lovely email and they gave themselves a uh, name. Uh, so this comes Love from it. squashed, <laughs> squashed, but stubborn, I guess. Um, so squashed, but stubborn says that they, uh, they are a licensed technician. They went to tech school, graduated, got a job, um, and left their first practice because they felt like they were always shorthanded. They found themselves leaving work, feeling overwhelmed, going home and crying a lot, uh, feeling very burned out, almost to the point of leaving veterinary medicine altogether. So they took a break and recovered, regrouped, and decided to give it another try. Came back and found another practice in the area that felt more um, progressive and on top of things than the first practice. Um, And so when an opportunity came up, they jumped at it and um, got to get to know, got to know the team, felt like they fit in really well. It was a smaller, close-knit group. Um, Mm -hmm. They got started and immediately started contributing and sharing things that they felt like were um, opportunities to grow and improve and trying to collaborate with the team. And um, after about six months of the practice, they were pulled aside um, and asked to stop sharing their experience and knowledge because it was offending other people in the practice, making them feel inferior to them, like like they were acting like a know-it-all. And so this um, person was really hurt and continued to try and share, but in different ways. And so um, now they are at the point where they feel like no one listens. This environment that they thought was going to be fantastic for change and growth and um, engaging in all different kinds of ways, both as a technician and just as a team member, has not really panned out that way. And so they are wondering, uh, and, and they actually said, my question after the very long-winded beginning is when do I call it quits and find another job? Like they're feeling like they want to stay in veterinary medicine, but they're in a space where physically they're not capable of being a technician and they don't have the experience to move into a management role. And so they um, love the some of the people that they're working with, but they really just are feeling like they're pounding their head against the wall every day because they feel like they have a management within the hospital that is not Um, into wanting to change. And so they're wondering at what point do I just give up the dream and move on? And it sounds like maybe move on outside of the field because they're feeling like this whole experience has really burned them out um, on the field altogether. Yeah. And so um, that's a, it's a great question. And it's one I think that you and I have both been asked by people actually multiple times so it's not uh, squash, but stubborn is definitely not alone in feeling frustrated with the lack of interest in change in the field of veterinary medicine, to say the least. Yep. Got it. Okay. This is so common. I'm so glad we're doing this. 
mm-hmm. squashed but stubborn is so not alone. There's so many people out there who are thinking, is there more to practice than just this? You know, mm-hmm. is this, um, I thought that we were going to grow. I thought that, you know, I thought that we were <laughs> going to, and there's all these big things that were going to happen and they're not happening and they don't look like they're going to happen. And I, now I'm feeling stuck. I'm chafing. So mm-hmm. I get this question all the time in different iterations. And so I just want to, um, Later, I'm feeling very philosophic today. Uh, I'm feeling very philosophic for for obvious reasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about what's important in life, and I'm thinking about about what really means matters. And this is very much a, a philosophy question in a lot of ways. I mean, someone can say to you, "Well, you make a pro list of staying, and you make a con list of staying, and then whichever one is longer is the one that you do." And that's uh, you know, those people are very pragmatic, and there's some truth to something like that. But but I don't think any of us are actually just <laughs> adding up the number of pros and cons and making a decision. It, it really is. What do you want in your job? What do you want in your life? What do you want in your practice? And so I, I think we need to unpack those things. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Let me let me put the first thing on the table. <laughs> As someone who is addicted to change. Right. Like <laughs> we do change at, uh, at Uncharted. You know what I mean? Like we there's. If anything, yes. <laughs> there was much discussion about Andy changing things uh, by the team <laughs> earlier this week on our team meeting. And you're not going to believe this. It was not celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> Andy changing things was definitely not celebrating. There were, <laughs> there were people taking uh, Alprazolam before the uh, <laughs> staff meeting because our conference is one week away. Uh, and so if you're listening to this, it starts tomorrow. If you're listening today, it comes out. Um, and they were like, he's going to change things. <laughs> let's just, let's just get, I it was one in the afternoon. There was a lot of wine out. I saw it. Yes. Um, but everyone gets excited about change. They don't get excited about changing, you know? The idea of change is thrilling, like, yeah, let's do new things and let's shake things up and let's get better. And we can get super fired up about change. We do not get super fired up about actually changing. When the rubber meets the road and somebody moves your cheese, that tends to be a very different experience. So I do not believe that we get hired as a bait and switch. I, and I think it feels that way for a lot of people. Like, oh, you told me when I came and interviewed as a vet student, when I came as a, as a tech intern, you told me that you guys were doing these things and you were going these places and this was the vision. And now I'm here and it's exactly like it was a year ago. And there are no plans to change and uh, actually change. And whenever right. I say something, you guys shoot it down. And so trust me, I've lived that frustration many, many times. And, and if anything, I lean too much towards change and my comfort with change is too high because I can freak people out. And so I have very much, I very much felt constrained at times in my career and, and I've had to manage that. And let me be real clear. I am not saying that I was right. And I am not saying that my desire for change is correct and other people are fuddy duddies. I am saying sometimes I get too excited about change and I frustrate people or I blow things up. Mm-hmm. And so just know that, that that's a thing as well. But mm-hmm. big thing here, talk is cheap. It's easy for people to talk about what they're going to do. I think everyone has great intentions. I believe they really want to change. I think the idea of change is exciting. 
But then when it actually comes to changing, it's scary. It's inconvenient. Um, it slows things down until you figure them out and you have to get everybody on board and, and a couple of people who really don't want to change. And you guys have seen this, they drag their heels until the whole thing is not worth the effort or they subtly sabotage until the effort to change fails. And then once it fails, then it never gets brought up again. Or if it does, then people shoot it right down and say, we tried that. It didn't work. And it's like, well, you didn't really try it and you didn't really push. Um, or, um, you know, just because we tried to change something in the past, that doesn't mean, and it failed, that doesn't mean that we should never change anything else. But I do think that some of the people seem to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me, from um, a manager perspective, um, to your point about the bait and switch part of it, I like, I feel that to the, the very <laughs> core of my being for the reason the last two reasons that you said which is that when you are when you are one person and you want to change something in your own life the only obstacles um that you are working with are very clear because it's you and the obstacles and that's really easy to see when you're working with a team even a small hospital with one doctor and five other people when you add those other people into the mix, now all of a sudden, you're not only changing things for you, you're changing things for all of those other people, and you have all of their roadblocks to deal with as well. And so it is it is time consuming, and it is hard, and it is a lot harder to steer change the bigger the, the boat and the team gets. And so um, you can have a leadership team who is 100% bought into the idea of change and wants to change things and is actively working on changing things. And it can still have a timeline that frustrates the hell out of people because when someone is open to change and they want it, they want it right now. And it's really hard to see past all of the maneuvering that has Mm -hmm. to happen to move around all of those roadblocks in, in the moment. And so I think as manager, for me, that's often, um, a lot of the conversation with team members who get really, really frustrated at how slow the wheels are turning. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to see the, the forest through the trees when you're in that, you know? Yeah. I will tell you as a young veterinarian, I had no idea how difficult it was to get change to happen in a vet clinic. I mean, I was, I think this is my personality and I, I like it. I like it this way. I'm wildly optimistic. I am. People know that right. about me. I, I see the glasses half full every time I see possibilities everywhere. I look It has made me very happy in life is made me very successful in life. I, just being honest about it. I, I love that, that viewpoint of mine. It has also frustrated the heck out of me in that I'm like, I don't understand why we're not changing, why we're not doing things. I simply was wildly naive about how much effort and time it takes to get a team on board, especially a team of 20 or 50 or 120, where my first job was, you know, um, the amount of time and effort and collaboration and coordination is Mm -hmm. enormous for a single thing to change. Mm -hmm. I I just didn't realize that. 
later in my career as a more experienced veterinarian who'd seen a lot of things but had not owned a business, I still didn't understand. I had a much better idea and I'd seen a lot of things break and go wrong. And so right. my perspective was much more accurate, still not accurate. Only when I own my own business did I really understand how much coordination it takes to get to, to turn the ship, to really turn the ship in a sustainable way. And so I I wrestled with that. I expect that other people really wrestle with that as well. It's just not because they haven't really led the charge in getting a team to turn their direction. Most of us just don't realize how hard it is. And so that's me just, I don't know, being fair to, to, you know, to, to the practices out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, um, I feel the same way. And when I read the backstory, um, that, a squash but stubborn shared i could empathize 100% with where they were standing and they also could see where it it very easily could be um that you do have a management team that that wants to change things and is struggling with the enormity of trying to enact that change in a group setting it is it is hard and it takes a lot of practice and a lot of experience um, to make it happen. And, um, you know, I often get people in the uncharted community who are like, Oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're such an experienced and such an amazing manager. Like you, you do all of these things. And, and this is a moment where I very easily can fully admit it is so easy to fail here. Like right now I'm trying to make some big changes in my clinic and I go home every day feeling like I'm failing to make the change. And I've been doing this for, you know, 16 plus years. So it's not, it's definitely not an easy thing to do. Um, and so I can definitely see that side of it. I also have been that, that bright eyed, bushy tailed CSR who, you know, is like, yeah, Hey, this just seems super easy. Why can't we do this? And so yeah. I empathize with stuff with squash, but stubborn because I can see wanting to make that change and feeling like I don't understand why everybody can't just get on the bus. Like it doesn't seem mm -hmm. that hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm totally, with you. here's another piece of it as well as a change junkie. Um, change never ends. Progress never ends. Yes. And yeah. I will tell you my whole career, my whole career, I have felt like we're not changing fast enough. We're not evolving fast enough. We're not keeping up. But if I stop and I look back at the road behind and say, look at what we've done. Look yeah. at where we've been. I, I can't. I, and I'm just being totally transparent here. It's like, well, yeah. I'm not trying to fluff my own pillows. It's just when I look back, at man, we at the practice, we at in the business and Uncharted at DrAndyWork.com, we've done amazing things from the building blocks, you know, back in the day of just uh, an idea on a piece of paper. It's amazing. But in my head, we are taking forever. Yeah. And I think, and I'm laying this down because I, I want to validate the scenery for a lot of people and say, you may feel like your practice is not changing. Is it really not changing? And, and, yeah. and if you're like, oh, no. I will feel like it has changed when we get to this place. I'm here to tell you, no, you won't. 
Yeah. When you get to that place, all you'll see is the next place that you need to go. And you right. feel like, God, why don't we ever change? So yes. that that is the thing. And I'm not discounting uh, squash, but stubborn. I just want to call her stubby. Uh, I'm not yeah. discounting stubbies. <laughs> um, you're going to suggest, uh, suggest a pseudonym. You don't get to dictate it. Stubbies um, concerns. I'm not, th- I'm not, I'm not discounting them, but, I, but I am trying to provide some perspective and say, maybe it looks the way that you see it. And may, maybe it doesn't. I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. You know what I mean? There, there's probably there's, there's, and again, I, I don't, I don't know stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't know who this is. They do not give us their real name. They only give us a pseudonym, which is right. great. I love, it. um, I don't, I don't know what exactly we're looking at from the outside. Stubby could be hundred percent right. And this practice is not changing. Stubby could be 100% wrong, and this practice is changing as fast as a practice of 50 people can possibly change. And it just feels like it's not changing. I've been there. I've seen that. I've felt that. I, I don't know. And so the first thing, as we said, is, is headspace, right? Like, like mm-hmm. where, where are we at? Um, so let, let's put down the headspace so far. So um, know that change, change is exciting, but changing is not. And so that makes mm-hmm. change hard talk is cheap so people will always paint you a vision um but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to follow through it didn't cost anything to tell you what the vision is um i believe people have good intentions yeah but making changes in practice and really getting a team on board it takes so much more coordination and time than people think that it does and that is a lesson that is um i am still learning it is much clearer to me now than it was when I was a young doctor or a doctor who had not actually done it. All right. Yep. There, there is no perfect job. I want to put that down as well yeah. to say, we all have gripes about our job there. We all have things that we wish were done differently. That doesn't mean you're, you're clean. That, that's just having a job. There is no perfect job. There's always, uh, you know, there's always things that we wish were different than they are. And, the last part that I'll, I'll put down, because I see this again and again and again, and, and it's just, I, it feels like me making excuses for people uh, who don't want to change their practice, and it's not. But I, I just, these are truths that I've learned. Um, the devil known generally beats the devil unknown for attracting people. And so let, let me give you an example of that. Um, if you have a practice management system that you don't like, and people are like, I can't imagine that. That's, that's a, <laughs> such a stretch for my brain that we would have a practice management system that we don't like. Okay. If you have a practice management system that you don't like, and you're looking at a different practice management system, in my experience, Unless things are real bad, it is very hard to get the whole practice to jump to a new system. And you go, but we know this is bad. Yes, but we don't know how the other one is going to be bad. It right. is it is unknown. And so a lot of times we will take the headache that we have over the unknown headache. I'll give I'll zoom out and give you a larger example of this in, in our industry that I see a lot. It's sort of a passion for me. Um, I think a lot of us are terrified of not knowing what we're doing. And so we continue on a crappy course because at least we know that crappy course. And, um, I have seen young veterinarians, mostly, uh, vet students who decided early in their life, I am going to be a veterinarian. 
Like that is what I'm going to do. You're going to call me doctor. I'll make a reasonable living. The community will see value in me. Um, you know, they decided that at age 13 and everyone patted them on the back and they're like, yes, now I feel like I have a plan for my life. And they went forward and then they got to college and they didn't like biology and they didn't like chemistry and they didn't like science. You know what I mean? And they realized that they didn't like people. Mm-hmm. But the idea of saying, you know what, I'm a junior in college and I don't know what I want to do with my life is too scary. Yep. So they continue on the path that they set for themselves when they had no idea who they were as a person because the mm-hmm. idea of leaving that path is too much. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is um, the truth for a lot of us when it comes to change. We would rather be on the path that we are on, knowing that it's not fun, knowing that it's probably not the best thing. But the idea of getting off of that path into the wilderness is too scary. And I think that that is hard for a lot of people to overcome. The, the last part of this I'll put forward is you only get to go through this life one time. Never forget that. If you were miserable every day going to work, look, buddy. You get to ride yeah. this ride exactly once. You only yeah. go through. You will never be the age that you are again. Your kids will never be the age they are again. Your significant other will never be the way that they are uh, right now as a person, as a, you know, as a professional, as, a, um, as a, a confidant, a supporter, a colleague. Like You get to go through exactly one time. Yeah. And if you're unhappy, this is your one ride. Yeah. And so sometimes you, know, you got you to do it. I, I don't want you to look back on this life. You know, from your from your bed when you're 90 and say, damn, why did I do that? And so that's just one more headspace thing to throw into the mix. And I think I think it's so funny um, because without walking the same way, we both came to the same conclusion. And that for me, like just looking at it from my own personal journey perspective in veterinary medicine, the last two things is exactly how. I got to my own answer to squash question, squash question, which was, how do I know when to call it quits and find another job? And for me, it was very much, I think I agree with you hundred percent. Human nature is to the devil. We know is easier to deal with the devil that we don't. And it feels safe. And it's like, I don't know the big scary unknown out there. And at the same time, I have, grown enough and although I do not consider myself mature I have matured enough that I can look at my life and say these are the things that are important to me and if I'm not able to have those things or put time and energy into those things um that I know that I need to make a change and so when those two things intersect for me that is when I start to look at do you, whether it's work or in something relating to my personal life, that's where when I find myself at that intersection, I ask that the question that, that Squash is asking, which is, do, do, do I call it quits and do I walk away and find another path? Because mm-hmm. this doesn't feel good for me. And right. so I think that that's a really good guidepost in terms of questions. Pros and cons lists help tremendously, but... Um, when you really zoom out and look at it in a big picture perspective, I think that those two things are so, so important. Yeah, I agree. I know the bad parts of being a veterinarian. Like I, I know what they are. I live them. I mm-hmm. saw them yesterday afternoon. 
Uh, you know, I know them. I have no idea what the bad parts of working, you know, as a sales rep for, right. you know, for a company or I, I, I don't right. even, I don't even know what the bad parts are there. I have no idea what the bad parts are of, you know, um, I don't, uh, teaching at technician school. No right. idea. I like, right. so I, so purely just looking is like, I know this devil. I don't know that devil. And, and I, I think a lot of us are in that place. I know the problems of my practice. Like I know that I know exactly what they are. I have no idea what the problems at other place are. And so I would argue that I think we, I haven't, I don't have research to back this up. I'm sure, I'm sure I can find it. Maybe I'll find it for next time. Um, maybe I'll fact check and add it at the end. <laughs> I know that we are biased towards taking the problems we know versus problems that we, we don't, we just don't know. Sure. We don't know what they are. Yeah. And so anyway, I, I think that that, um, I think that that holds change back a lot. So I think it holds change back for our practice, but I also think it holds us back as we decide, do I stay or do I go? And so yeah, put sure. those down as on both sides of the table. The practice doesn't change because they're looking at the cloud-based practice management system. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. like, we don't even know what kind of problems this is going to have. Like, this is just so different mm -hmm. from what we've got. Mm -hmm. I know what the problems are with what I'm using no idea what we're going right. to run into over here. And then the same thing for, for me as a veterinarian say, I'm going, I know what the problems are at my practice being a veterinarian. I have no idea what it means to go to another practice or what it means to leave the industry and go somewhere else. I right. just, I don't know. So we do have a bias, both us and our practices of staying where we are. Sure. Yeah. All yeah, right, cool. Sure. So that's the headspace stuff that I want to put down. Do you have other philosophy headspace things to put down before we get into what to do here? Um, I would just say that um, overall, it doesn't matter what job you're in from a manager perspective. I can teach. I can teach skills for a job to anyone. I can't, I can't truly teach. I can help and support, but I can't truly teach a good attitude and an open and flexible mind. Like it seems that it seems like squash has. So whether you stay in your job, whether you leave vet med and try something new, just from a manager perspective, having a good attitude and an open and flexible mind towards change is so, so important. And so regardless of what you ultimately decide to do for me, I would say, don't, don't lose that. Don't give up on being open to being creative and changing and growing as a person. And as a team member, because that when I'm hiring, I want that. I don't care if, if I was working outside of veterinary medicine and I had a technician who was licensed and, and had gone to school and had no relevant um, experience from a skill perspective for the job that I was um, interviewing them for, but they came to the interview and they had um, a positive attitude and they seemed like they were an open and flexible mind that matters to me. Yeah. Um, and so I think just from a headspace in terms of making change for yourself on a personal level and going and doing the big scary of exploring the unknown, whether it's with another clinic or another position within the industry or outside of the industry altogether, that matters. And so yeah. hold on to that and don't, don't let go of that from a headspace perspective. Yeah. I, 
Yeah. Okay. One more, one more headspace thing popped into my head. Okay. <laughs> At some point, Stubby said, I, I share with my coworkers ways they could do things differently and they don't seem appreciative. Right. And again, I don't know. I don't know Stubby, but I will tell you that sharing ideas about how people could do their jobs differently um, with them is a dicey uh, thing. Yeah. And it just, it, you know, and so I just put that forward as someone who's Let me give you a story. I, Stephanie, have recently shared with my wife how the socks uh, could be better uh, put together. And, <laughs> and also how uh, if the laundry was, uh, was done more quickly, uh, how the house as a whole might function better. Um, you're not going to believe this. Let me, let me guess. How no, this no, over. You'll never get this. Stephanie's just <laughs> shaking behind her microphone. Oh my God. Did it, did it result with someone standing out in the rain, digging it, a ditch? You're not going to believe where my socks are. <laughs> no. Outside. Oh, that, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me, let me say uh, two things. Number one, um, my wife does the laundry and I am in charge of the kitchen. So before anyone thinks that I'm expecting my wife to do work that I'm not doing, that is, uh, that is not, uh, that is not true. Um, <laughs> so let me just say, just say that you get the point, right? I think we can all see our spouse coming to us and sharing ideas on how we might better perform, uh, <laughs> in our lives. Right. It, sharing with people is a, is a dicey thing thing uh and it doesn't maybe make them a bad person if they're not super receptive depending on how we do it so all those things i just want to put down as as truths that we need to be aware of yeah okay yeah cool so let's take stubby at her, uh, his or her word of what's going on what do we do where do you start if you're if you're stubby oh man um so i think for me um, I would start with some introspection because really yep. for me, I think I would need to figure out, am I already past the point of no return? Because if so, I don't want to waste my time or energy on trying to fix the situation. If you've already moved on, let's just move on. And so that, that is personal. That is sitting down and really thinking about, uh, what what do I really truly feel and believe about this situation and making some decisions for yourself? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I here I would um I would I would I like what you're saying. That's not the first thing I would do. The first thing <laughs> I would do is travel back in time to when you took the job and look at it and know that when you're interviewing for a job, talk is cheap. And, mm -hmm. and again, I, I think that people are good people and they mean to change and they plan to change. If okay. you take a job based on where that clinic is going, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? I think you should take a job based on where they are and say, can I be happy here? Right. And if the answer is no, I, I'm, I'm not going to be happy here mm -hmm. unless they make the changes they're talking about making. Yeah, I would be really wary about that, you know, and 
And so I, I just want to say to all, you know, here we are, uh, it's early in the summer. There's a lot of people who are coming out of tech school and vet school and they're looking for jobs. Um, yeah. There's a, a job fair uh, that DVM360 and Banfield are putting on, virtual job fair that's pretty cool. So all those mm-hmm. people are coming out and they're looking at jobs. My advice is take the job based on what the job is right now and not yeah. what you're told the job will be. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that that's that. Um Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. The um there's a um there's a Buddhist story that I I really like a lot. It's called um they call it the the cup is already broken. And so this uh the the Buddhist master is sitting with his uh disciples. And um they're talking and the disciples say how can you be happy knowing that nothing stays the same, right? That, that things will always, that there, nothing is permanent. Things will always deteriorate. Everything is dying everything, every day. You know, like, like nothing we do lasts forever. How can you be happy knowing that we're just a, 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 a dot in time? And the Buddhist master uh, lifted up his cup and he said, you see this cup? I like this cup very much. It was a gift. Um, it was a gift from a friend, and it makes me think of my friend. It does an admirable job of holding my tea, and it sparkles in the sunlight when I hold it up. I like this cup. This cup is going to be broken. Like, this cup is going to break. When we think about the world, nothing lasts forever. This cup will not last. And he says, in my mind, this cup is already broken. Because I know it will break. It's just, it hasn't happened yet, but it's already done. This, cu- this cup is broken. And if I think that this cup is already broken, then when it breaks, I'm not surprised, and I'm not upset, and I'm not disappointed, because I knew the cup was broken. And every day that it doesn't break, I'm happy, because it's one more day I get to enjoy my cup that I wasn't expecting. And I like that story a lot because we think about the world and what we have and where we're going. And, and I think about that with a job. Know that your job is a broken cup, right? And every day that it's not is wonderful. And so if you take the job eyes wide open and say, there are things here that I don't like and I know I don't like as I take this job, then you're not right. frustrated that this, this hasn't changed or you know that it continues on. You knew the cup was broken when you picked it up. Mm-hmm. And every day that it's not broken or every day that you come in and people say, hey, we're going to make this change. You go, wow, that is great. I love it. I am so excited about this. I am proud of our clinic as opposed to it's about time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that that's weirdly philosophic and a lot of a lot of people uh hit pause on the podcast and then (laughs) went to uh dak shepherd's podcast uh right during that story but i don't care because of those six of you who stuck around uh patty stephanie's mom i'm talking to you um (laughs) those of you who stuck around hopefully see the point i'm making yeah accept it when you take the job that it's flawed and if it gets better that's a perk. It's not something that um, if it doesn't happen the first day that I'm there or ever, or days afterwards, or if it never happens, I'm mm-hmm. angry and resentful. Does, does that make, am I saying that it's okay? Totally, I 
Uh-huh. It, no, it totally makes sense. And I think, I think the additional layer that I would add to that is for the things that feel like they would have to change for you to be happy when you're going through the interview process. You know, I, I, um, tend to be, I tend to get excited about change. No mm-hmm. surprise that Andy and yeah. I are the same there. You and, and so, me. you know, when I, <laughs> when I'm interviewing people in the clinic, I'm like, yes, this is where, this is the vision. This is where I want to go. This is what I'm doing. And at the same time, I'm also pretty brutally honest about this is where we are and this is what our struggles are. And mm-hmm. this is, this is why what we, we are working towards what we're working towards. And this is how we are working towards what we're working towards. If there are things that feel like they would be concerning or deal breakers for you when you're interviewing with a clinic, that's where you need to do your due diligence and ask them to tell you about the plan and to know what, what their process is. If all they have is the vision and they have no idea how they're going to get from point A to point B, you need to really think about that for yourself and figure out, okay, this feels like it's a concern for me and I don't see any plan here. Is this truly an environment that I could be happy in? And, and the interview process is a great place to kind of test the waters and, um, you know, get into a conversation. I have had interviews with candidates where they have given me ideas for what we could try um, in terms of changes that we're trying to make. Have that dialogue um, because for me as a manager, nothing is going to excite me more than seeing someone who recognizes something that's important to them and wants to talk about it. Right. I know I completely agree. I think that's fantastic. Okay. So we're stubbly. We're in the clinic. We're at the job. We're frustrated because we're not moving forward. Right. One of the lessons that I learned the hard way, because again, especially as a young doctor, I had 57 ideas about things that we could do better and differently. And I was very excited about them and I shared them. And my experience was similar to stubbies is that people did not (laughs) like my sharings. And And there was a staff meeting about me particularly. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't want, I don't want other people to go. Th- it was a big clinic too. And it was, so it was a large staff meeting uh, about, about me and my sharings. Um, <laughs> I don't want other people to go through that. Um, pick your battles. Yeah. Right? If you, so if you're in the practice and you're like, God, things need to change, pick your battles and pick them wisely running around and changing this and trying to change that and try to do that. It overwhelms people. They don't want to hear it again. It takes more effort than most of us think to get a team to actually make a change, prioritize what you want and do one thing and talk Mm -hmm. about one thing. And this is the one thing. And if you really care about it, put your money where your mouth is and say, can I lead this charge? Are there things I can, I will take the reins on this and you guys just support me and I will do the legwork because I care that much. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you really want something to change in your practice, in my opinion, that's how you do it. Most of us are trying to do too many things. We're trying to make too many changes at one time. Uh, And again, this is, I'm just, I'm just telling you my, my vet career story right now, because Mm -hmm. this is what I, I got burned so many times in so many different ways. I could talk about this all day. It drove me nuts because I wanted to change all the things and I want them to change now. Right. Decide what you care about. Are you right. willing to die on this hill? And if the answer is yes, then right. go on that hill. And I hope you, I hope you won't die on it. I, you know, I mm-hmm. hope that you will mm-hmm. 
push the rock to the top of the hill. That's what I, that's mm -hmm. what I hope. Mm -hmm. Do fewer things, pick your battles, pick them wisely, put your money where your mouth is, invest in what you're doing, invest in, uh, in getting this done off, uh, offer to take the lead, you know, give your support, do one thing. And then when that thing is done or it's done as much as it can be done, because sometimes when I say, we are going to change this thing. I'm, we're going all the way to the top of that hill. Well, we go halfway to the top of that hill. And what we find is there's a little level spot there halfway up the hill. We're just going to rest there for a little while. Um, <laughs> and sometimes that happens. But we've come halfway up the hill and we're a whole lot higher up than we were before. And so maybe, you know, we're just going to let the team rest here on this little plateau. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go and find a different thing that I care about. And I'm going to go work on that because now we're not in the valley where we were. We are right. midway to where I want us to be, but we're a whole lot better than we were. Right. And now something else is a bigger priority. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Sometimes we'll, we'll start to make changes and we don't make the huge change that we want, but we make enough of a change so that the thing that we're working on is not the spurting neck wound anymore. It's right. not the immediate pain point. It's not the biggest thing that is hurting us or holding us back. And so even though we didn't get where we wanted to go, this is no longer the spurting neck wound. And there's something else that is a bigger issue, like that's more important to address than getting from halfway to all the way. You know, it's, we need to go get this issue up to the plateau so it's at least not the terrible problem it is right now. I'm going to leave this at the halfway point because we have made changes. We've gone a ways. And in the future, I will come back to it when people have kind of settled in. And then we're going to try to push it up to the top of the hill. So anyway, check me on that. What, what did I get wrong? Nothing. You're describing my life as a, oh, yeah. as a, as a manager. Oh, yeah. If there was a book that you and I wrote, it would be, we want things to change faster than they are, and the rest of the team is against us. You guys are seeing an uncharted staff meeting right now. It's Andy and Stephanie sitting on one side of the table, and Jamie and Melanie sitting on the other side of the table staring at us uh, because we're trying Kelsey, to change things. Kelsey, 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 Kelsey and Tyler, Tyler are... Yeah, Kelsey and Tyler are sitting on the middle watching uh, watching their parents fight is essentially what it what it what it feels like to them, I think. And, um, and, and Bran is just like, what is happening? What are you guys Bran doing? Checking in every every uh, <laughs> hours uh, just to say something positive. All right. So that's our staff meetings. <laughs> let's, let's, so let's I, I totally I totally understand. And, and I agree with you completely because um, for a lot of is that is a reality, right? Like there, there are, um, growth and change is hard and it often doesn't come with just one thing that needs to grow or change. There are usually multiple. And so it, it can get really, it's really easy to get stuck in this circle going around and around where you're, you take the bleeding neck wound and you apply some pressure yep. and, okay, now it's good. So now we're, we're, now we're going to deal yeah. with the, you know, the foot that's trying to fall off. And now yeah, I'm over it's here. Still, and, it's still yeah. an oozing wound. Like that's <laughs> right. important. Like it's still right. oozing and you're like, but it's this not could be a beautifully anymore. healed. Like, nope. <laughs> You've largely stopped the bleeding. It's still oozing. Right. We're going to leave it oozing and right. go and do something else. And that to me, that right. feels awful, but I have found that it's what I need to do. I'm sorry. I totally yeah. stole that. No, you're totally, you're totally fine. Cause that's, I mean, that's it for a lot of practices. It's like, you make the, you make the one change and you get, like you said, you get everybody to that plateau 
And then there are, for a lot of practices, it's not just that one thing. And so then you move to the next thing and you push that halfway up the hill and you go around and around in this circle. And that just in and of itself can feel very, very, very frustrating Mm -hmm. to people who are um, excited about change and want change to happen. Um, And what you have to take a step back and remember is that for people that struggle with change, they need that time to rest halfway up the hill. And it's giving, if you can give that time and you can be flexible about that, you will be able to push them further up the hill when you need to. If you don't let that resting point happen, you have people burn out and get frustrated and fall off. And that's where, that's where things don't happen. And so I think that's a really important point um, because especially when you're working with a group, it is very easy to um, feel frustrated by the fact that you're in that cycle and that circle um, constantly. Yeah. So let, let me give, give an example to kind of bring this, bring this together. Let's just say that I was super fired up about telemedicine, right? I'm like, you know what? I really want to do this in our practice. And I, I mean, this is the uh, Andy Rourke vision style of I want to be all in. You know what I mean? I want the real software. I want the real scheduler. You know what I mean? I want to have this thing. I want it feeding into our medical records automatically. I I, I want in. Well, uh, the truth of working in a veterinary practice is I may have to be okay for right now with just getting our clinic to use Zoom, you know, and you go, but that's not, it doesn't have any of the things. It's like, look, we were doing nothing. Right. And now we're doing Zoom and we're actually right. talking to people online. Um, I use that example because that would drive me as a change junkie nuts. But right. what I have found is that's a win. And I have had, I've learned to look at it as a win. We went from right. nothing to Zoom. Yes. And I know that if I let people rest and get used to Zoom and get used to talking to people on screens and see the value and see that this can be beneficial for pets and for practice and for scheduling and for work-life balance, then I can circle back in six yeah. months or 12 months and go, hey, guys, I know that this is you, you guys are you're liking this. Let me show you what the next level looks like because it's right. really awesome. Right. And that has been a hard lesson to learn, but it's just something I, I want to say about, about change in general. Pick your battles. Be really picky about which one you choose choose wisely and also know that you're not going to go from zero to perfect change is is a cyclical thing where we change a little bit here and then we move to the next thing we move here but again we're changing one thing at a time we're not fixing all the things at once which is why we have to rotate um and so here's a tool from my tool personal toolbox that i have learned like andy from um hard, hard experiences. So maybe don't repeat some of my mistakes. Um, and on that point, um, I actually have a process now where I shockingly, I have a spreadsheet, um, (laughs) which should come as no surprise to anyone, least of all Patty, if she's still listening, (laughs) that I have a spreadsheet. I taught, she taught me well. Um, I have a spreadsheet and, and when I'm working on things in the practice, uh, and I have, change factors that we're working on or things that are important to me, I've started writing them down and then keeping track of the progress on those things, because it is really hard 
when you're in the middle of it to see the change. And for me, as someone who wants the change, like you to move faster and move (laughs) much, much, much faster than it does in an organization, it helps me so much to be able to zoom out and look at where we were, where we have recently been and where we are now. Um, because it's really easy emotionally to get bogged down in feeling crappy and feeling like nothing has changed and I haven't made any difference and I haven't made any impact and what am I doing and feeling like you're spinning your wheels, which in reading um, squash email that I very much felt that like, this sounds like someone who feels like they are, they are stuck and they are frustrated and they are spinning their wheels and they don't know what to do. Um, And so for me, it was, it was having a spreadsheet and being able to actually physically look and say, these are the things that we have accomplished. And this is how far we have come. And I still can see this is how far we still have to go, but it puts it in perspective that makes it okay for me to live on that plateau for the, for the length of time that my team members need me to live there. Um, because I have, because I have the ability to zoom out and look at that. Yeah. Okay. So next, next approach that I would take if I was stubby, one of the skills that we have to learn when we're not the boss is how to raise the priority in management for what we want. You know what I mean? They have a list of priorities and I, Dr. Andy at the clinic have a list of priorities as well. And they don't always match up as you can imagine. In fact, they have priorities that I am completely unaware of that do not affect me in any, in any way, shape or form, right? That's just the way it is. People have a certain amount of time and a certain amount of energy, a certain amount of resources. And they put those time, energy and resources towards their top priorities, right? Mm -hmm. If you can get what you care about into the, into their top priorities, they will give you time and energy and resources that they have. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get into their top priorities, then they won't. And everybody's priorities are different. That is why. And we all know this. We've all seen the pet owners who come in and we know they do not have resources. We know that they're on a fixed income, but they will pay whatever they need to pay to take care of their pet because that Mm -hmm. pet is their number one priority. It is their partner. It is their, uh, their, their, you know, it is the the company they have. Versus other people come in with their pet and they've got tons of money, but the poor pet still didn't make their priority list, right. you know, and they don't want to invest into it. That's purely a matter of, of their priorities. Mm-hmm. We see that in the exam room, but it's also the, the, the truth in management. So how do we get our desire, the thing that we want to change? How do we push it up someone else's priority list? And so the big thing that I say to people working in practices is know your practice and know what management cares about. And then frame what you want in terms of what they want so that you can get it up there. If your practice is all about profitability, then figure out how telemedicine increases profitability. If your practice owner is all about work-life balance and just not having to deal with extra stuff and keeping the business simple so he can go home and relax at the end of the day and not have fires to put out, then figure out how telemedicine is going to help him go home earlier and is going to let there be fewer fires for him to put out. Yep. You know what I mean? And so generally people care about profitability, like practice owners or or practice practices, businesses, they care about profitability. They care about uh, work-life balance. They care about patient care. You know, um, if your owner cares about patient care above all else, 
let's talk about how telemedicine is going to get our patients better care. And again, I'm just pulling telemedicine out of the hat Mm -hmm. as a thing that I might want to change. Sure. Right? But I'm going to have different conversations depending on who I'm talking to, what the management wants, what my manager wants. I may have different conversations with different people about the same issue in my practice. I may talk to the practice manager who's focused on profitability one way and then talk to the practice owner who's focused on work-life balance a different way. But again, choosing our delivery of what we want, how we talk about things that we want to change to match what other people care about so that we move what we want up their priority list. It is a skill. It is a strategy. I Mm -hmm. encourage every person in practice to learn it because it will help you communicate effectively up the organizational power gradient to get what more of what you want. Well, and I think it also is critically important when communicating across the organizational ladder. So if you're in a peer group and you're trying to affect change with your peers, nothing is going to do that faster than knowing what they want and need and getting their buy-in. Because if you can get the buy-in of five people it makes going up the ladder a lot easier than if you're trying to go up the ladder by yourself. And so knowing what your teammates want and need, and I know that this felt like a challenge for squash. They said, you know, I've tried to change things and some of the change has been adopted by my team members and some of it is not like you can't just look at it from a, from a vertical perspective of what, what the practice owner or practice manager or combination is willing to do. But you also have to look at it, Look, you don't have to be the manager to enact change. You can enact change from wherever you are within the practice. It is far easier to do if you understand what the wants and needs of your teammates are. And so I think that's important, um, you know, across as, as, as important as it is going up. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Okay. So those are the things that I would say to Stubby as far as influencing change in his or her practice. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about if it doesn't work because sometimes it doesn't work there. I mean, there are, and again, I don't want to, you know, give people a false sense of, you know, of, of, of optimism. Um, I think these, these absolutely can work. They do work, but if you have tried these things and they're still not working, where does that leave you? You know? Mm -hmm. And so I have, I have, um, I have three things. Okay. I believe that regardless of how happy you are with your job, you should always Mm -hmm. be growing your network in this profession. Mm -hmm. You should always be, if you're a tech, you should be knowing other techs. You should be meeting doctors. You should just know people. You should know people at the emergency clinic you refer to. You should know people at the specialty clinic you refer to. There is, it is infinite number of ways that that benefits you. Everything Mm -hmm. from being able to pick up the phone and get an update on a patient that you referred that the doctor can't get, but you can get it because you know who to send a text to, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that is just endless. Mm -hmm. Vet medicine is a relationship business. It's relationships with our clients. It's relationship with each other. It's relationship with specialists. It's a relationship with emergency care. It's a relationship, honestly, with other clinics. I mean, we have clinics in town that, um, you know, everywhere I've been, for, I've, I've worked at an individual single practice. They have had friend practices across town that they oh, yeah. will borrow from. And they yep. will send, you know, like, oh, you guys are out of this thing. We will, we've got an extra bottle. We will, we will send mm-hmm. it over. And it's yep. just, life is better. Um, guys, listen, uh, and let me just say, say this about, about having friend practices and having your network. Um, 
if you are not talking to other veterinarians in your area and you're not making friends, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Okay. Yeah. And people yeah. talk about competition to me and they're like, Oh, but Andy, but I'm competing with those, with those people. No, like that's ridiculous. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and here, here's the heart. Here's my hardcore business justification. Okay. Yeah. You are competing, right? You are competing with another practice, but the competition between you and another practice is minuscule, minuscule compared to your battle against inaction on the part of pet owners. Right. I mean, right. that's it. Pet owners yep. not doing what you recommend or pet owners not bringing their pets to the vet. That is where your growth is. That is where your business is. The idea right. that you're going to have a client taken away from you by the clinic down the road, that can happen. Honestly, they're probably not taken away from you. Probably that client wasn't a good fit for you or they decided right. they'd like to go somewhere else or their circumstances changed right. or whatever. Focus on growing the pie, not taking the pie away from the clinic down the road, right? And if you believe that and you believe what I'm saying, the benefits to having friends in the industry across town, to knowing other doctors, to knowing other techs, to knowing um, the immersive, it is enormous. And so mm-hmm. I don't care what your role is in the practice. You should know people. You should yep. make friends. You should grow your, your, your network. Yep. If you get to a place where you're not happy anymore, you use your network. To go somewhere yep. else. Like that's yep. it. And the other thing is, it validates the scenery. If you go, God, we don't do this and it drives me nuts. And then your friends at other practices are like, oh, we don't do that either. You know, like that, that's just, you know, whatever. Yep. At least you know that you're not the only practice that does it. Uh, if there's something you care deeply about and one of your friends says, yeah, we do that. We Our, our owner really cares deeply about that as well. And that's why we do these things. Maybe that's, that's where you need to go if you can't uh, be happy where you are. But you're right. not going to know that if you don't build out those connections. Can we talk um, about where to go to do that? Because I know as a CSR and as a technician starting, like it, I, I, I learned it, but I learned it purely by um, not by no um, drive of my own to go out and network with other people. And so I think a lot of times for technicians, they're like, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to big conferences and I'm not doing all of these things. Like I think locally, for me, when I started, um, getting to know our reps that came into the practice was huge because mm-hmm. they are out in other practices all day long. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about a good person to validate scenery for you? Having a, a rep friend that you get to know and that you trust their instincts and their opinions, um, being able to say, hey, what, what do you see other practices doing with this thing? Or to say, hey this is something I'm really struggling with. I would love if you see a practice that does this really well, can you keep me in mind for positions down the road? Like being able to have that connection locally is so, so huge as a Mm -hmm. paraprofessional staff member. Um, And then I I think the other thing is local, like local um, vet associations or, you know, continuing education. Yeah, going to CE at the Emerge Clinic, you know, yep. like um, that was huge. Just getting to meet other techs and, you know, you go and you're awkward and you might sit in the back of the room. And you know what? After six months of going to those monthly night CE meetings, I started having conversations and I sat next to the same people each meeting. And then I, you know, then it was started with one person and then it, it just grows naturally. Like if you were one of our introverts in the industry who's sitting there going, oh my God, you want me to go and talk to people? Like it doesn't have to be this big, broad, overt plan to go out and network. It can be as simple as 
sitting and talking to the person you're sitting next to in a CE meeting. You don't, you don't need headshots. Uh, you're right. not, you're not connecting on LinkedIn. Right. Um, what, what? You don't I, even I, need a business card. You don't even need a business card. Here, here's what happens at local CE events, right? So you've got the specialty hospital in your town and they have the CE event and, uh, and you go and your techs go or the doctors go or whatever. I, I see it all the time. Cause I give these events, right? I go, I'm, I, right. I speak all the time. Right. Practices come in together and they sit together. Yep. Uh, ideally in their mind, they will take a whole table just for them. Right. And then there's no one at the table. They don't know. <laughs> they have secured the table to prevent outsiders from coming in. You don't have to be a raging extrovert and, and, and meet everybody and introduce yourself. Right. But if you will sit with people that you don't know, sit with people who are not in your practice and, and you go back right. again and again, you go once a month and you just sort of sit. you will start to see the same faces. And after a while, it is not hard to say hello. And you should say hello, right? The benefits to you of just getting to know these people are huge. So that's the big one. I'll throw one more on the table. That is, um, it's a little bit more of a long shot, but honestly, I have always been amazed at how often it works out. You know, I'm a big believer in third spaces, right? I believe yeah. that we in vet medicine should have something that we do that is not vet medicine where people yeah. don't care that you're a veterinarian. They don't care that you're a vet tech. You yeah. are just there doing community theater. You are right. just there learning to paint. You are just there taking singing lessons. You are just there um, learning to garden or right. to cook or whatever. It's a thing that you do that where you are, you meet with other people and it has nothing to do with vet medicine. I, I, I think that's good for all of us, for our mental health, for our soul and our spirit. It is amazing how often I, I go to those things and I meet another doctor, another veterinarian, right. a, a vet tech, things like that. So I do, uh, one of my third spaces is CrossFit. Like, so I, I go, I'm not, I'm not going right. to talk about CrossFit, but I do, <laughs> I do, I do go to CrossFit when there's not a pandemic and I, and I enjoy it and I go to this gym and there's another veterinarian at that gym and she works at clinics uh, that I have never worked at. And man, I, there have been a half dozen times I have compared notes with her about what she sees going on in the area, just not for any reason other than I just want someone to validate the scenery who's not in my practice. And, uh, and she moved, she picked up to move and moved down to Atlanta and she messaged me and said, I'm moving. Do you know anybody, you know, can, can you give me any leads? I'm happy to do that. Right. Like, but if she doesn't say hi, then I knock gonna feel obligated or, or, or really comfortable recommending her. Cause I don't know her, but I do know her because we became friends. And so th those are the types of things as well. Right. I think we've, I think we've probably beaten this long yep. enough. Cool. <laughs> that was, that's number one of three. <laughs> um, <laughs> people are like, Oh geez. Uh, right, no, all right. I'm going to wrap this up. I promise network and always be casually exploring. Just know what's out there. It's not as you're looking for anything, but just, just be growing uh, in your career and casually exploring and seeing what the world has to offer, right? Remember that you always have options. You can always leave. It is always on the table. There's like, there's nothing I can do. Yes, there is. You can leave. You can always leave. And the last thing is veterinary medicine is a house with a million rooms, which means you've been in tech, you've been in CSR, you can go to industry, you can go to the shelter, you can go to the emergency clinic, you can go to the specialty clinic. You can become a veterinary copywriter. You can get into marketing. You could join an ad agency that works with dog food companies. Uh, it, 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 like, think outside the box. I love vet medicine. You can do a ton with experience in vet medicine of everything from working for a pet health insurance company 
um, to, you know, to, um, to writing for, um, today's veterinary practice magazine, whatever. Right. Right. So those are my three. Yep. Um, and I would, I would wrap up by bringing it back to something that squashed said, um, which is that I think, I think we needed to zoom out and I think we needed to look at how could you deal with change and how could you try and hash out, is this the decision that I need to make or not? Um, but I would, I would leave it on this, which is that squash said, however, I find myself just having a poor attitude about management and the decisions that they make. I feel like they don't care for their employees' health and well-being. And some of the practice decisions that they're making are being met with anger and frustration by most of the team. Yeah. If that really actually is true, you already have the answer. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, sometimes I think it's just, you have to be able to sit back and take a look at things. But if, if you make your list, if you look at the change, if you, if you do all of that and you still would repeat that, sentiment squash then you you already have your answer i agree you're you're circling the drain you, you're in you're in a death roll like one, like yeah. because you've come to a place where you're not going to be able to have productive conversations with them right and, and you know right. and they're not gonna and like like you you're you're in, you're caught in the uh burnout tractor beam yeah and, and 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 it's it's pull pull the ripcord it's, it's time to go yep. um yep. Th- that that's where you are so yeah <laughs> that that is a line for me once you get into that where you're like i don't trust them i i right. I am just when they open their mouths, I um, I get upset. You've reached a place where you are feeling contempt, and there's no uh, good. There's no there's no relationship possibilities once you feel contempt. And so you can come out of that if you if you want to, and you can push back the other way and say, I don't want to feel this way. I'm going to to push to be positive, more positive. I'm going to give this another try. I'm not going to feel contempt. Um, you can do that. But once you get into that contempt headspace, you either have got you've got an option. You can either push back um, or or you need to get out. Sometimes we push back and we say, I am going to be more positive, And then nothing changes and you get shot down again. You end up back in contempt. You know, the, you know, we got to do. Yep. Thanks Steph, for doing this with me. Love it. Have a good uh, week. You too, buddy. Talk to you later. OK, bye. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. If you have things for me and Stephanie to tackle, to get on, all up on, send us an email at podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Guys, take care of yourselves. Be well. Be safe. Love each other. Let's be the people that are patient.